When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello Bulls fans and welcome to another episode of Bulls HQ, a Chicago Bulls podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the show, which is coming at you guys from London, England of all places. I happen to be uh, traveling on my honeymoon throughout the month of July, which isn't great timing on my behalf given NBA free agency is going on, but uh, yeah, a little bit unusual for me to be broadcasting from another country, but here I am in England. Talking about the Bulls, uh, even though I'm traveling, well, traveling with my uh, wife now on my, on our honeymoon, the Bulls, for whatever reason, can't expe- escape my mind. And and why should they? I mean, this is the the arguably the best time of the year for NBA fans. We're in the middle of free agency or the start of free agency, and for myself, who pretty much left my country, Australia, just literally as free free agency was just kicking off, I pretty much was traveling in the air for 24 hours, touch base in London, and hit the ground trying to find the closest Wi-Fi spot to see what the see what happened in the NBA general NBA landscape as to what the free agency or the free agents were doing on day one of free agency and to my surprise I saw the Bulls have had a pretty damn good free agency period and look I, I probably shouldn't be recording a podcast given like I said I am on my honeymoon but I can't help myself I packed my microphone I wanted to get my opinion out there for whatever reason I'm assuming some people out there want to hear my thoughts I don't know why but if nothing else I probably just wanted to um maybe just go over it with my own mind in and, and just go over it myself in terms of what I'm feeling about this free agency period for the Chicago Bulls and to my surprise I'm largely positive about how things are sort of transpired that uh, transpired here for the Bulls over the last sort of one to two days They're like this is something I wasn't expecting to be feeling I'm actually legitimately surprised that I am quite content with how things have gone for Bulls the Bulls during free agency, I wasn't expecting the level of players that they've brought in. So to that degree, I, I guess as a quick overview, if you haven't heard, which you probably have, but the Bulls pretty much on day one or the first few hours of free agency came to a deal with Indiana Pacers forward Thaddeus Young to agree to a three-year $41 million deal. And my initial thoughts when I saw that deal, and look, I, I briefly saw it when I landed in Dubai for uh, maybe a half hour period where I was able to get some really slow Wi-Fi. But my initial thoughts on that was why the hell are they offering a three-year deal when, as you've probably heard me on this on this podcast, but also on Twitter too, suggest that the Bulls shouldn't be offering a deal beyond two years, given that I think the plan should be about opening up or, or is maintaining as, as much cap space as possible for 2021. I was kind of surprised when it was a three-year deal, but then I quickly learned, uh, as a lot of people on Twitter alerted me, which I did appreciate the fact that that the Thad Young deal in the third year was partially guaranteed. Now, I haven't come across a number as to how much of that is guaranteed yet. Uh, maybe I've missed it, but we'll learn that 
I'm sure in the coming days and weeks post free agency, but on initial face value, I was kind of second guessing the deal because it didn't necessarily make a lot of sense to me to be prioritizing a power forward who happens to play the same position as Larry Markkinen or potentially in a smaller lineup would shift Wendell Carter to the bench. So I, I was kind of concerned about what it initially meant and the fact that it was three years. But the more I learned about it after I actually connected to the Wi-Fi and the more I sort of allowed my um my mind to sort of think it over from my flight from Dubai to London, which was a good seven hours that I that I had to sort of go over the whole deal. It kind of makes a lot more sense to me now. And, and based on what I was expecting, I was kind of hoping or expecting a, a Taj Gibson-level player or an Ed Davis-level player, which would have been a good bench option. But to get someone like Thad Young, who had a really good year for the Pacers last season, still only 31, he's played in the league for quite a bit of time, but He's got that athletic build where I don't foresee him sort of really slowing down over the next two to three years, which is essentially what the Bulls have signed him to do. I think it's a really damn good signing, depending obviously on on the role that he's playing. So I'm kind of going to reserve full judgment of it, maybe until we see what his actual role will be. I'll be interested to see if the Bulls start start their lineup small with with Thad Young at power forward and marketing at center, or whether they choose to to still have marketing and, and and Wendell Carter in the starting, starting lineup with uh, Thad Young then coming off the bench. I think that will be an interesting situation that Boylan and the Bulls will have to work through. But, but like I said, based on the expectations that I had in terms of what power forward or what center they were, they were likely to get, I, I was hoping for a Taj Gibson or an Ed Davis level type player for a similar amount of, of, of money that they ended up paying for Thad Young, so to get a player like Thad Young for you know essentially thirteen million dollars a year or whatever whatever it equates out to be, I mean that's a damn good deal. And I mean just using Taj Gibson as a baseline, Taj is two or three years older, signed with the Knicks on a two-year twenty million dollar deal. So the Bulls would have had to pay him ten million dollars a year. Instead, they've gone out and got a better player, a younger player, probably a more athletic player, and they've got that player for slightly more, and, and obviously that player is probably more effective at this point. So I, I'm really feeling this Thad Young signing. I think it makes complete sense from a leadership perspective. Thad is one of those typical good guys that you'd want to have in your lineup, a, a player that's been in the league, like I said, for quite a few years now, and is just a great, a great vet to have in a locker room, someone who's experienced, someone that plays defense, importantly, a two-way player. So I, I actually really like this signing now, the more I think about it. And to add to that, once I did touch down in London, I, I again, I opened the Twitter as soon as I could to when, once I did get Wi-Fi. And I was shocked, to be honest with you, when I saw the Bulls had agreed to a sign and trade with, uh, Tomas Sodoransky from what the Washington Wizards. I mean, I had Steph Noah on to preview for agency. He was a name that that I, that we both mentioned as an option for the Bulls. I didn't expect it to likely be the case, given the Wizards' need at point guard with John Wall essentially missing the entire year. The fact that Sadoransky was a re- restricted free agent, I thought that would make it difficult to get him. But like I said, I was surprised when I saw that the Bulls will manage to to agree to a deal with Sadoransky, a three-year, thirty million dollar deal. Again, that third year being a a partial guarantee, which makes complete sense for the wider philosophical approach the Bulls should be taking and one that I definitely agree with based on their actions when they traded Otto Porter. Obviously, they ruled themselves out of landing a big name in 2019 free agency, which I'll uh, come back and talk a little bit more uh, later on in the show. But yeah, I, I was, again, I wasn't expecting a player like Sadoransky to come through the door. I was probably thinking, I mean, Beverly was my preferred option, but I knew that probably wasn't going to happen. It was probably going to cost too much. And like we saw, he got the three-year guaranteed deal from the Clippers. So 
that didn't necessarily make sense for the Bulls, given their 2021 aspirations. So to get a player like Sadoransky is something I did not expect. I was thinking something like Corey Joseph, who got huge money from the Sacramento Kings, a three-year $37 million deal, which is just a crazy deal to me. I would not have paid Corey Joseph that amount of money. So to walk away with Sadoransky for three years, $30 million, with that third year being a partial guarantee, I think that's a great deal as well. I mean, the Bulls had to do a sign-and-trade maybe to secure his services, which I didn't mind. I think if you... If you want to lock in a play like Sanaransky and in doing so and ensuring you get that, you know I'm I'm completely fine in doing a sign and trade and when you're sending off some um you know some lower some lower assets to sort of guarantee that player at that point because the point guard market pretty much died off pretty quickly so I think to lock in a play like Sanaransky who's only 27 really does fit this roster perfectly he's he's a point guard but he's six foot six six foot seven can play. Can play three positions really, but whether it's at shooting guard or small forward. So his versatility and this whole idea of playing in a multiple ball handler type system, I think Sadoransky fits this perfectly. I think, you know, expect, expect him to be a player that can give you 10 points, five rebounds, five assists, and can shoot 40% from the three point line. That's exactly the point guard you want in a multi ball handler system. And particularly when, you know, you've got a player, a ball dominant shooting guard like Zach Levine, having someone like Sadoransky who can control the second unit, but he's, but also be that secondary playmaker and spot up off ball. I think he's a perfect fit next to Zach Levine. So I loved the idea of bringing in Sadoransky. I didn't think it was likely, so I didn't necessarily harp on it too much or, or get too many, too many of my uh, hopes in the Sadoransky basket as such. But to, 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 like I said, to log on to Twitter post getting off the plane in London and seeing the Bulls or seeing that seeing that alert from Woj that the Bulls had come to an agreement with Tomas Sadoransky. I mean, that was an awesome deal in my opinion. So like I said from the outset, I'm kind of surprised with how things have sort of materialized here for the Bulls over the first few days in free agency. I didn't expect this level, level of talent to be walking through the door. I mean, like I said, Taj Gibson and Corey Joseph were the guys that I was sort of expecting, and if it wasn't those exact players, then sort of those that level of player. But I think in both cases, Thad Young and Sadoransky are actually better versions of Joseph and Taj Gibson, or at least a tier above in terms of where their careers are currently situated. So I don't know about you guys, but I'm I'm thoroughly impressed with what the Bulls have done over the first few days in free agency. Obviously, they've still got some work to do. We'll see what sort of uh, transpires over the next few days, but Using their $23 million in cash space to bring in a player like Thad Young as well as Tomas Sadoransky, I mean, this is this is really good cap management from the Bulls on, on a number of levels because I think the the money that they've paid both guys for 2019, they've, they've given them both reasonable deals. Neither are overpaid in my opinion, so that's always good. But the fact that they were able to maintain that flexibility for 2021, I, I think that's another added bonus too. So yeah, I'm, I'm legitimately surprised that the Bulls have won been able to identify really good players and and you know players that definitely fit this roster for where this rebuild is currently at but two having the ability to actually go out there and get these guys to walk through the door i mean there was a lot of teams with cap space out there a lot of good quality contenders out there that had cap space but the bulls were able to get out there make some shrewd moves and actually identify their guys and get their guys to walk through the building so i think that is a damn good haul for the Bulls. So I'm, I'm quietly impressed with what Garpax have done, not only in free agency, more, but more generally, if you extend it back to the draft, I thought they had a good draft. I, I think I gave that a B plus from off the top of my head from my memory. I think this, this free agency period 
based on my expectations, I'd, I'd probably give them like a, an A, an A grade type thing. I, I wasn't expecting these type of players, but I want to get that, get into that a little bit more now because it's it's a topic that um that I want to expand on a little bit more because I think largely in me sort of catching up with the Twitter sphere as to what was happening, obviously whilst I was flying through the air, the general feedback or the general comments that I saw from Bulls fans all the way through to national analysts like Zach Lowe, etc. I think it was mostly positive comments as to what the Bulls were able to achieve with their free agency dollars. But I'm sure there were some people that probably, I don't know, maybe maybe didn't, maybe dislikes too strong of a word, but probably weren't as enamored with the, the deals of Sadoransky and Young as I was and, and as a lot of people were. And I kind of understand why, because the Bulls effectively settled for two role players who may not necessarily change the greater ceiling of this of this team moving forward and I, I kind of get that logic obviously the Bulls decided that that 2019 wasn't going to be the year that they sort of took a top their time to sort of make a run at an elite free agent and there was quite a few on the market obviously as we've seen there was and then importantly there was quite a few that changed teams too so I kind of get the idea as to why some people may not have been okay with the Bulls a big market a global brand settling for some you know players who are perceived to be role players, but I suppose that's why my plan is sort of focused on the 2021 side of things because I think that's probably the right time to sort of be focused on that big name free agent when the younger guys on this team are maybe a little bit more mature, a little bit more developed, closer to their prime, and can be used more as a selling point to an elite free agent to come to Chicago more so than what they are now. But at the same time, I understand why people may be disappointed that the Bulls didn't take a run at one of these big free agents and. I get it. I've, I've, I completely understand it. I understand if you, you, you are disappointed that a team like the Bulls, like I said, a big market, a global brand, isn't out there chasing the big names. But I think the time to really be annoyed that the Bulls weren't interested in playing the free agency game was probably around that February period. And and the, and the reason why that is the case is they effectively took themselves out of this free agency period at that point when they tried to traded for Otto Porter. They could have had. 40 million in space, at least that amount, maybe closer to 50 million if they found a trade for Chris Dunn and obviously Cristiano Felicio, if he stretched his contract, something like that. They could have had $50 million in space. So that would have been a big number to go out there and chase some big name free agents. But obviously that sort of dissipated pretty quickly once they brought in Otto Porter. So I think that was a time, if any time, when we as a collective fan base should have been disappointed the Bulls had sort of written off the 2019 free agency period as their chance to go out there and sign some some big names. So I guess what I'm saying is that philosophical view doesn't necessarily hold up for me right now because I've had a I've had at least four or five months to sort of process the idea that the Bulls clearly weren't chasing a big time free agent in 2019. So in terms of expectations, I wasn't expecting a big big name free agent to walk through these doors this time around because it became clear once the Bulls traded for Otto Porter that that wasn't going to be the case. So I'm not mad that the Bulls haven't landed a superstar free agent in this period here because it wasn't going to happen. And they signaled that from the moment they traded for Otto Porter. So in that regard, I guess based on my expectations at least, I like I said, I think this has been a great free agency for the Bulls. Now, I think if you want to sort of take a step back and look at it holistically, the Bulls taking themselves out of free agency, I think that's problematic. The Bulls maybe not necessarily being a team that's attractive to free agents, that's certainly problematic too. So I kind of, I, I get the the angst that some fans may have or 
the, the fact that they're not necessarily into the moves that the Bulls have made here with Thad Young and Sadoransky. I, I get it. I, I completely understand that logic. But I think, like I said, if it depends on really perspectives and, and what baseline you really want to measure the team against. Because like I said, I wasn't expecting a big-time star. I think that they made it very clear that one wasn't walking, walking through the door here in 2019. So really, the biggest name splash that they probably could have made in 2019 was, was Malcolm Brogdon. And as we've seen, He's obviously on his way to the Indiana Pacers for, for uh, I think it's $85 million over four years, which is essentially all of the Bulls' cap space. They would have had to give Brogdon that amount of money to, to bring him through Chicago's doors. So I'm sure Brogdon was gettable, but I'm of the opinion that the Bulls, in this instance, because maybe I don't rate Brogdon as highly as some others do, I think Thad Young and Sadoransky is a much better value play here for the Bulls than Brogdon for a number of reasons, because... I'll admit that Brogdon is probably a better player than Thad Young. He's most certainly a better player than Thomas Sadoransky. But at the same time, I don't think they're that far apart to the point where I'm disappointed that the Bulls took themselves out of the Brogdon running. I, I, look, I think he's obviously a very good player, but I'm not disappointed that he's not a Bull because I rate Thad Young and, and Sadoransky really highly. I think they're probably lesser players than Brogdon, but I think this team really needs a lot of depth to the point where spreading that space over two or three players made sense for me from the get-go, but to get those two or three players and for them to be that young and Sadoransky, I think that's damn good value. And when you consider, like I said before, the fact that you still have that option for 2021, I much prefer the Bulls doing what they had done with Young and Sadoransky over Brogdon. I think that's a much better value play. So it really is a matter of perspective. I just wanted to get that out there because I know there's going to be people listening to this and I'm sure there's people online that have had Probably some more negative thoughts about the fact that the Bulls have brought in Thad Young and and and, and Thomas Sadoransky, but to me, at least from my vantage point, I think it, these are great signings. So I, I don't know about you. Let me know at M- MK Hoops on Twitter. But I, I guess the reason why I wanted to bring that up was because on, on I saw on tw- on Twitter, Sylvie, I think he I think he had a poll. I'm not 100 percent sure if it was a poll or not, but he pretty much asked the question: Did the Bulls get it right in free agency? And it was a poll because when when I logged in my uh, my vote. Surprisingly, more than 50% had said no, as in the Bulls hadn't had a good free agency or they hadn't got it right, which to me was completely shocking. I, I thought that was completely... I don't know why that was the case. Either either people maybe aren't high on Thad Young, aren't, aren't high on Thomas Sadoransky, or they were expecting a star. And I just, I suppose I just don't get, get why people were expecting a star or hoping for a star. I've actually had a few people tell me that my expectations were too low and Maybe you're right. Maybe my expectations were lowered to a degree where they probably shouldn't have been. But I don't know. I just think it's it's a matter of perspective. It's a matter of timing. And I think the time the, the time to be annoyed that the Bulls weren't going to land a free agency, a, a big free agent rather, was back in February. I think that was the appropriate time for the Bulls acting like a or the appropriate time to be mad at the Bulls acting like a mid tier team, acting like they weren't going to be able to to manage to bring someone through with their cap space, bring in a big free agent, a big name, and that was likely going to be the case anyway. So for them to settle for Otto Porter at that point, that is acting like a mid-tier team. So I I get the entire premise, I get the logic, but I think that the right time to be annoyed about it was back in February when they brought in Otto Porter. Now, with only $23 million in space, the Bulls weren't ever going to be involved in bringing in a big name, as we've seen. Most of the big names have either stayed with their current club or have gone to form a pretty damn good team elsewhere. Obviously, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving have, have joined forces in Brooklyn. Jimmy Butler did a random thing and went to the Miami Heat, but most other players 
have effectively stayed where they where they were essentially, or where we thought they were going. We've seen the Clippers, we've seen the Knicks make their value play in terms of opening up space, and they've come away empty-handed. So I think to a degree the Bulls are justified in their position in not going hunting in, in for free agents in 2019, but I think at the same time I get the idea where this team really starts, they really need to act like a big market and really put themselves in a position to go after those big names, and that's why I completely endorse the the 2021 plan, and that's why I like these Thad, this Thad Young and the Sadoransky deals because it still enables them to do that whilst getting better and more competitive over the next two years. So, like I said, I'm surprised to be sitting here recording a podcast saying I'm really into this Bulls free agency period. I think it's actually their best free agency period since probably 2010. I mean, if you think about what they've done in free agency from 2010 when they put that bench mob together in 2014, we obviously had Nikola Mirotic and Pau Gasol walk through the door. That was a, a good free agency period. In 2016, obviously, <laughs> Dwayne Wade and Roger and Rondo, less good than, than what we saw in 2014. And then, of course, in 2017 or 2018, I think it was the whole Jabari Parker ordeal. So I've actually think this is pretty comparable to what they did in 2010. It's probably not as good, but I think it's at least in terms of over the last sort of eight to nine years, this has probably been their best free agency period since 2010. So again, I have to commend the Bulls for what they've done. And but they're the main two signings that I thought we should probably kick off off the top. But I'll come back after the break and go through, in my opinion, the biggest signing the Bulls have made this offseason. Let's talk about sleep. Listen to these studies from Harvard and Johns Hopkins. Chronic sleep deprivation has been shown to lead to depression, diabetes, obesity, and cardiovascular disease. We all need eight hours of sleep. I don't know about you guys, but that's certainly true of me, for me, anything less than eight hours, and I can be pretty grumpy pretty quickly. And you know what is one of sleep's biggest problems? Temperature. It's tough to get good sleep if you're too hot or too cold. I want to tell you about the Pod by 8 Sleep. The Pod by 8 Sleep is a high-tech bed designed specifically to help you achieve optimal sleep fitness. It was developed by leading sleep researchers after tracking 43 million hours of sleep. It combines dynamic temperature regulation and sleep tracking to enhance your rest and recovery. It learns your sleep habits and adjusts the temperature automatically. That means if you like the bed cool and your partner likes the bed warm, now you can have both at the same time in a crazy comfortable bed. Sleep longer and deeper so you wake up refreshed and ready to take on the world. To celebrate Independence Day, get a free gravity cooling blanket plus free shipping with your pod purchase, a $300 value-free offer. Offer ends Monday, July 8th. Visit 8sleep.com slash bluewire. That's 8sleep.com slash bluewire. E-I-G-H-T sleep.com slash bluewire. Okay, back to the show now and back to the... Back to the most important signing I think the Bulls made this offseason, and you probably know what I'm referring to if you've heard my voice or my thoughts about this ever before, but Ryan Archidiakono is back with the Bulls. I'm very pleased about this. I was going to lead with this off the top of the show, but I thought it would be kind of kind of ridiculous to do so, given the magnitude of the other two signings the Bulls did make, but I'm very pleased that Ryan Archidiakono is back with Chicago. Obviously, he's my guy. He's my favorite player on this Bulls team. He's back for another three years on a $9 million deal. So I'm very, very stoked for him that he's been able to to guarantee himself uh, an NBA contract after coming through on a two-way deal, sort of scrapping his way through the league, sort of fighting to hold onto a position 
trying to prove himself that he actually was an NBA-capable player, and he did more than that last season, where he arguably was the Bulls' best point guard last season. And he's back now. I'm very pleased. Three-year, $9 million deal. The Bulls have used their, their early bird rights, I believe, to, to retain Archie Diakono, so they haven't, ha- haven't had to use any cap space to bring him back. So that is a shrewd move in itself. I'm sure there'll be some out there that, that think Archie Diakono is not worth the $3 million. I will beg to differ. Uh, I think he, I think he certainly is worth that amount of money, whether he's the, the full-time backup, whether he's, a, whether he's a, the, the third string point guard sort of pushing Kobe White. I think there is a role here for Archie Diakono. I think he proved himself. As a, as a capable leader on this team, I, I don't think people think of him as that, but I think the, the players within the, the locker room respect him as such. And clearly, the coaching staff and management respect Archie Diakono enough to the point where they brought him back. So, very happy for my guy, Archie Diakono. I'm glad that his hard work has been able to pay itself off, and he's now coming back for a third season here in Chicago. And he, he's earned it. I'm really happy for him. So, shout out to Archie Diakono, and it's probably another three years of me being quite annoying about the whole thing. I, I do it in, in part in jest, but I, I actually do love the way he plays. So I'm, I'm happy he's remaining on the Bulls for the next three years. And I guess the last signing the Bulls have made that I wanted to touch on was uh, Luke Cornett from the Knicks. So again, I'm assuming this is based on the minimum, a two-year minimum deal. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping at least it's not as part of the Rue mid-level exception. I haven't seen anything to the contrary just yet. But again, I think this Cornett signing... It's a low-end move. It's, it's something that for the end of the roster, but it's a good move because Cornet is one of those guys that, or at least from the center position, is someone that you should be prioritizing. I mean, he, he's a good shooter from three, 36% from three. Uh, he, he can block some shots. I wouldn't say he's a good defender, but he can definitely block and prote- block some shots and protect, protect the rim. So as a backup big, someone you can put in there for 10 or 15 minutes a game, I think he's an interesting variation, particularly to Daniel Gafford because... If you want that rim-rolling defensive center, someone that's going to protect the rim out there, someone like who is similar to Clint Capella, he's obviously not as good, but plays a similar role, then you've got Gafford as an option. But then if you want a more Brook Lopez type option, again, not to suggest Cornette is Brook Lopez, but then you've got that option too. You've got that variability in your center position behind Wendell Carter Jr. now. So I, I like this deal, deal for Cornette too. So adding two young and adding to Sadoransky, bringing back Archie Diakono and Cornet, I'm, I'm really into these moves too. So again, I'm pretty impressed with what the Bulls are doing. I think they've made four right decisions here, brought back guys on four value contracts. So I'm quite pleased about how this offseason has gone. But now that we've got the, the main signings out of the way and my thoughts on those signings out of the way, I want to talk about the fit of this roster and how it's all going to work, how, how it's all going to come together and, and what it generally means for free agency going forward. And let's start with Thad Young, who's probably the, the, the biggest priority given, given his weight as, as a player, given his position in the league as a player. Let's start with Thad Young. From the top there, I, 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 sort of, I was sort of wondering how Thad Young fits into the picture, whether he's going to be a starter, whether he's going to be a bench guy. I think that is still unclear. Obviously, we'll learn that in the coming weeks as to how it's going to play out. But preferably, I would like Thad Young to be a bench player. I still want to keep the core group of guys together. And I want to get those guys playing as many minutes as they possibly can together. So I still like the idea of having uh, Larry Markin at power forward with Wendell Carter at center. And then you bring in Thad Young as your first big off the bench and I think that makes complete sense to me, and I hope that's the path they go down. I don't really want the Bulls to have the idea of putting Larry Markkinen at the five with Thad Young at the four. I think, look, I'm a big Wendell Carter fan. I'm, I'm biased. I think he's 
the best young prospect on this roster, which is, I don't know if, if many people agree with me, probably not. I'm probably in the minority with that specific opinion, but I think Wendell Carter needs to be the center of this roster. I think the offense needs to be run a lot more right through him in terms of a passing option. So I hope Wendell isn't relegated to a bench position. I hope that's probably more something that is more of note for Thad Young. So that being the case in my mind, at least, of how it should operate, irrespective if that's, if that's the way it plays out, I think if nothing else, Thad Young really gives you that versatility to put him in at four, to put him in at five, hopefully not at small forward. I would rather the Bulls play smaller than bigger. But he can play for, he can definitely play power forward, and it depending on the lineups that he's going up against, particularly in, sen- in second units, he can actually play some center too. So I like the idea of putting Thad Young on the bench, and you have that ability to either play him with Wendell Carter or Larry Markinen, because depending on the position, he can play either center himself, he can guard some centers, but at the same time, if you throw him out there, with Wendell Carter, he can guard the four, and you can have Wendell Carter playing center guarding the five, so Thad really is a really switchable player, he's a player that can sort of swing between four and five, he can probably guard threes as well, but like I said, I'd rather him play a bigger role than a maybe a more wing role, but all of a sudden, the Bulls really do have some flexibility in their front court, which is exactly what they needed, and that's why I like the idea of bringing in Taj Gibson, because he could play the four, he could play the five, depending on whether you have Larry Markin or Wendell Carter out on the floor with him, but Thad Young is almost like a supercharged version of that, a younger version of that, probably a more athletic version of that. So it makes complete sense as to what Boylan wants to do defensively as well, because like I said, Thad Young is a two-way player. The Bulls definitely needed that type of player. So he will fit perfectly. I'm hoping he's going to be coming off the bench, because like I said, I want to keep Markin and Wendell Carter playing as many minutes closely together as possible. but. Moving on to Sadoransky now, I, in a lot of ways, he's very similar to, to Thad Young in the sense that he can play multiple positions too. He can like he's, he's primarily a point guard, but he can play shooting guard, he can play small forward. So he gives Boylan that option to either start him at point guard, which I think should be the case at this point. I don't really want to see Kobe White starting from day one. I think he needs to earn that. But Sadoransky at age 27, he's shown that he can play the point guard position. He's shown he can play off ball against a lead guard. In a lot of ways, Bradley Beal has been a good test case for how Sadoransky can fit on this ball squad with Zach Levine because he's already used to playing next to a ball-dominant shooting guard, a guy that can average 25 a game a night as Bradley Bradley Beal did last season for the Wizards. So in a lot of ways, he's sort of gone through his apprenticeship in playing with that ball-dominant guard. So I think next to Zach Levine, he makes perfect sense as a starting point guard. But even in second units, you can either have Sadoransky running the point guard position. You can have Kobe White doing that. You can have Sadoransky guarding the shooting guard while Kobe White guards the point guard or vice versa. I mean, you can have, you can have multiple guard lineups out there with Sadoransky where you can have Zach Levine on the floor. You can have Kobe White on the floor. You can have Sadoransky on the floor and really get into that multiple ball handler system that Jim Boylan wants to bring in. So... More than anything, I think these two signings, if nothing else, they represent the the fact that the Bulls have kind of focused on two-way players who actually can play multiple positions and guys that can actually space the floor. So dare I say it, but the Bulls have actually brought in some modern-focused NBA players, which again, I've said it a number of times on this show, but I'm surprised. I mean, we only need to go back one season, one off-season, where they made a complete bundle of a signing in bringing Jabari Parker. I was of the opinion that at the moment it happened, it was a clear fail. 
and obviously it played out as, uh, as such. Obviously, there's still some defenders out there about the whole process behind why bringing in someone like Jabari Parker was a risk worth taking. I never believed in that. But if you just think of the, the archetype, archetype of player that Jabari was, he was a one-way player, a guy that didn't play any defense at all, but it just seems like the Bulls have gone away from that method or that idea of of that Parker-type player who in a lot of ways resembled what Rondo and Wade were too, where, where they were those one-way sort of players. They didn't play much on the defensive side of the ball and have actually gone back to bringing in good, solid vets that actually can play multiple, multiple positions who can actually defend. And that's exactly what this team needs. So again, that's why I'm really, really impressed with how this free agency period has gone with the Bulls thus far. So I guess we've got to sort of wait and see now what, what it means for the rest of the roster. Obviously, the Bulls have used their cap space on Thad Young and on Sadoransky, so they don't essentially have any more cap space at the moment. They do have their room mid-level exception, which is around $4.6, $4.7 dollars. I think they should be using that to bring in a wing of sorts because whilst I have hope in Chandler Hutchinson, I don't have much faith in Denzel Valentine and certainly none in Antonio Blakeney, who are the bench wing options that Boylan has at the moment. I think they're too weak of options for the Bulls to be using them reliably in that lineup, in that wing rotation. So I hope they bring in another wing and, and another player who can play multiple positions and can hopefully shoot and defend. I think that would be ideal if they can get that type of player with 4.7 million, which is probably asking too much. But I mean, if they could get a good option off the bench on the wing, I think that would be a huge upgrade for this team. But beyond what they can do with their room exception, I think it's pretty, becoming pretty clear based on the moves the Bulls have made, particularly at the draft and free agency, that Chris Dunn's time in Chicago is probably coming to an end at some point. It sounds like, or at least it, it appears like, a trade for Chris Dunn is sort of being trying to be worked on in the background there. I mean, you just have to look at what the Bulls have done more so than what they've said. They've obviously drafted a point guard in Kobe White in the draft in June. They've just signed Thomas Sardaransky in free agency. It was one of the first moves they made. They've given him a $10 million deal. He isn't here to be a 10-minute player, a 10-minute-per-game player. Obviously, they've brought back Ryan Archidiakono. Shaq Harrison still sort of is around. He's on the Summer League team. He's on a non-guaranteed deal at this point. So with all that in play, it kind of spells the end of Chris Dunn's time here in Chicago. At least that's how I'm reading the tea leaves. Obviously, the Bulls have said, I guess they've sort of said things to the contrary whilst they haven't been super confident in the way they've presented their opinions of Dunn. They they have said that they want to keep him around and they still value what he does whilst also saying, obviously, that they wanted to upgrade the point guard position. They've clearly upgraded the point guard position, but I'm just wondering... If there's any real point in keeping Chris Dunn around at this point, it probably makes sense for both parties to move on right now. Chris Dunn is on a $5.3 million contract for 2019-20. That's actually a lot of money for the role that he sort of has and, and how he's sort of performed. So if you can move that into another team's cap space, I think that would be ideal. It probably costs you a second round pick to do so. But if you can get off Chris Dunn's contract, send him to a team who's got some cap space open who may have missed out on their point guard targets and may want to take a shot on Dunn. Put Dunn into their cap space and then you open up another $5.3 million to go out there and get something else for the Bulls team that you think may be a little bit more relevant than a point guard like Chris Dunn. So that's an option the Bulls should be thinking about. I don't know if they can trade Dunn for a player who actually will bring back any value. I think at this point, Chris Dunn's value is probably at an all-time low, so it's kind of unreasonable to think 
that the Bulls will be able to trade him for an actual decent player. That's probably not happening. So I want to see what they end up doing with Chris Dunn, but just based on how everything has sort of played out, it would seem like Chris Dunn's time in Chicago is probably over. That's the way it's played out. So, I mean, it is what it is at this point. But yeah, it probably makes sense for both Dunn and the Bulls to move on at this point. So I, I, I suppose outside of the room, exception and what the Bulls decide to do with that amount of money, assuming they do anything with it at all. I think that's probably the most likely move the Bulls will make at this point. But beyond that, I'm not expecting too much now, given that they've essentially used all their cap space. They've brought back Archie Diakno. They've brought in three new players, not including Kobe White. So Sadoransky, Young, and Cornette. So I don't know if they want to mix up the roster too much more. I think they need that con- continuity if they want to sort of push towards the playoffs, with like, which I think is sort of in play now. I think these... These roster moves that they have made, they've all been really good. They're all going to add value to the team. So assuming the team can stay healthy, which they've already haven't been able to do with Wendell Carter, uh, sustaining an injury that's going to keep him out of summer league and Kobe White tweaking his ankle, who it looks like he will play summer league, but it's not a great start to the offseason in terms of injuries. But fingers crossed these guys can remain injury-free for the season upcoming, but we shall see, obviously. But that's probably enough from me on this episode of Bulls HQ. Like I said, I'm on my honeymoon. I should probably get back to it. I've left my wife down at the bar so I can come up here and record a quick podcast. So I probably should get back before I uh, before my marriage ends in a quick divorce. But I appreciate you all joining in and listening to this episode of Bulls HQ. A little bit late in terms of, of the news. I'm, I'm sure there's been a million and one other Bulls podcasts out there that have already got their thoughts out on the topic out there before. So mine aren't probably too dissimilar. But nonetheless, I do appreciate you tuning in. Like I said, I'm on my honeymoon, so I don't know what my recording schedule will be. It'll probably be based on the news that sort of happens with the Chicago Bulls. Like I said, most of their activity this summer is probably being finalized, so I'm not sure if I'll re- or when I'll be recording next, but if I do, I'll be on the lookout for that. I'll be put- putting it out in all the usual spots. But in the interim, follow me on Twitter at MKHoops. Follow the show at Pod. If you get a moment, a five-star re- review on iTunes will be greatly appreciated. No pressure, of course, but that just about does it for this episode of Bulls HQ. Really do appreciate you tuning in. I really do appreciate the Bulls making some damn good moves. It's 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 got me in a buoyant mood, so I'm, I'm glad they've gone out and done that. But like I said, let's see what they do with the room exception. Let's see with what they do with Chris Dunn and maybe some other moves around the edges of the roster. So that's probably when I'll be back next when those sort of moves facilitate themselves but until then this has been Bulls HQ thanks for tuning in Bulls fans I'll speak to you all very soon Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about Black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, Black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now, they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.